Well, good morning. Before the sermon, I'll usually lead us in a prayer time, and we're going to pray again today. Next week, we're going to begin to pray for missionaries as we enter into a time of the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. But today, my heart just still breaks for the people of Ukraine. So I felt like we need to pray for that situation even more. We prayed for that last week during this time. We're going to pray again this morning. So will you bow your heads and, and pray? And I have a, a prayer guide that I, I found online giving us some specific things to be praying for. So let, let's pray for this situation in Ukraine. First, uh, pray for uh, the people of Ukraine as the war progresses. Uh, pray for strength, courage, and perseverance as their homeland is devastated by war. And then also pray for Ukrainian leaders for the same type of strength, courage, and perseverance. Pray for those millions of people who have been displaced, forcibly removed from their homes. Pray for safe passage out of the war zones. Pray that their needs would be met emotionally, spiritually, physically. Pray for, for Christian workers who are, who are ministering to those who are fleeing, um, especially Southern Baptist missionaries in Poland. Pray for Ukrainians who have never heard the gospel before, have an opportunity to experience the hope of Jesus. Pray for the church now specifically in, in Ukraine. Um, there's a Baptist seminary. Um, pray that they would have their needs taken care of and then also help in serving their community. Pray that churches would stay together, remain strong in the Lord, and look for ways to serve um, those around them.
pray for a, a, a quick end to this conflict. Um, pray that the evil plans of Russian President Vladimir Putin would fail and then more Russians would bravely speak up and not follow his leadership. Father, we praise you because it's through your son Jesus that all things hold together. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. We praise you that a sparrow doesn't fall from the sky without your permission. And we know what's going on in the world stage is totally within your power. Lord, sometimes it's hard for us to see your plans and purposes but that's not the important thing. We know that you are sovereign and you do have good plans and purposes that you're working, especially on behalf of your church. Lord, we trust in you. Lord, we pray for an end of this conflict. We pray for our fellow believers in Ukraine and in Russia. Lord, we pray for their their spiritual strength. Lord, we pray that they would be protected from physical harm. We pray that all their needs would be provided for. We pray that, that somehow you are glorified in all of this. Lord, I pray now as we open up your holy word, Lord, Make it a light into our, our feet. Show us your direction. Speak to each one of us very personally what you would have us to hear through your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So, um, in the 1970s, uh, the first Star Wars movie came out. And one of the big actors in Star Wars movies, as you know, it's Harrison Ford who plays Han Solo. Can you guess what he was doing before he was casted in this role as Han Solo? Anybody take a guess? Or anybody just know? He was in American Graffiti. Graffiti, yeah, he was an actor. He was in that movie at least, and then he had done some plays and things, but he hadn't yet reached that star status where he could make enough money to make a living acting. He was actually a full-time carpenter, um, just working an ordinary job to try to support his family, and he found this carpentry job uh, doing a project for uh, famous director Francis Ford Coppola, and it was through that that he got connected uh, with uh, George Lucas, who directed the Star Wars movies, and um, the rest is history. Um, uh, Ford's films have gone on to gross $5.4 in North America and more than $9.3 worldwide. Now, I'm confident when I say this now, most people 
if they knew what Harrison Ford originally did for a living, being a carpenter, they would say that his work as a Hollywood film star was far more important than his work being a carpenter. And to be fair, he has a lifetime of acting work, and he's a great actor, and he was just a carpenter for a few years. But what if he was never a famous actor? What if he had just stayed as a carpenter and worked that job for the rest of his life? Would his life's work be any less important because he was a carpenter versus being an actor? Now, I'm also confident in saying to our world, the answer would be yes. His life's work as an actor, being an actor, a famous actor, is far more important than being a carpenter. But I'm certain of this, that to God, all work is important. God considers a carpenter's work just as important as a famous actor's work. No matter what type of work that God has given us to do, it's a gift from God. And it's important work to him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, famously says, Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as to the Lord and not to men. God cares about work because he's made work. And he also worked. We've seen him working in the days of creation. We see this in the very first chapter of the Bible. God worked in creation. And then he creates work. We're in a sermon series called Genesis Beginnings where we are covering the first several chapters of the book of Genesis and we're, we're seeking answers to some basic questions of life that everybody asks. And one of those basic questions that everybody asks is why are we here? And an answer could be given from Genesis 1, at least partially, we're here to glorify God in our work. So let's open up to Genesis chapter 1 and let's look at God's plan for work for every human being. This is Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 through 31. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, 
And every tree whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. This is God's holy word. So this point, day six, God had, had finished all of his creative work. And then he handed down a mission for man and for woman. We've read about those six days where God created just by speaking the word, the stars, the sky, the, the animals, the grass, the trees, the, the rocks, everything that there is in creation. And then at the very last, he saves his best work for last. He creates us, humanity, in his own image in a very unique and, and special way. And then he gives us a purpose, which partially includes work. Why are we here? To work, to glorify God, to rule over creation, to subdue it, to have dominion over it. We've already learned about how God created us in his own image to, to glorify him, to reflect who he is in the world. And here we read exactly one of the ways that we can do that. God told us, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the ground. So that's a lot of responsibility that God has given us. He's saying, I've made all of creation for you, now go and take care of it. And do so in such a way that honors me, that shows my glory everywhere that you are. Don't just stay there in the garden. Be fruitful. Be, be multiplying. Go spread out and show my glory wherever you go. Professor Meredith Kahn put it this way. God making the world was like a king planting a farm or a park and into which God put human beings to serve him and to look after his property for him. So what are we? What are we doing here? We're God's managers. We're God's custodians. We're God's stewards of all of creation that he's given us. And to each one of us, God has given a little piece of creation to take care of for his glory. To each one of us, God has given gifts in the form of talents and abilities. He's given us possessions and money. And he's all given us time that he wants us to use 
for him. So the question becomes, will we choose to use what God has given us in a selfish way for us, or will we choose to use, as Colossians 3 puts it, for God? Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for man. So let's now turn and get a little bit deeper into why God made work. I have just two principles about work from God's word this morning. The first is all work is good. All work is good. I haven't taken a survey on this, nor have I seen a survey about this, but I get the sense that for a lot of people, they don't have a positive view of work. A lot of people feel like work is just a necessary evil that we have to do in order to live and get by. It's definitely not something that a lot of people enjoy in their life. They would they would much prefer not to have to work. The ancient Greeks and, and Romans had a very similar view about work. They viewed work as demeaning. In fact, the higher classes in those societies didn't do any manual labor. That was for slaves. They did all the physical work, so the the higher classes wouldn't have to work. They viewed work as being put there by the gods to punish humanity. But far from demeaning work, God dignified work in his creation. Work was an important part of God's original design. This is important that we see this, that God put work in his original design. This didn't happen after sin came into the world. It wasn't some accident and it wasn't there to punish us. Work is good. It, work is dignified. God saw all that he had made, talking about all of his creation that he had made, and it was very good indeed. And now listen, talking about the goodness of work, I know your work may be really hard. I know every morning that you get up, go to work, you may face a really tiring and challenging job. But know this, work as God originally made it wasn't designed to be like that. Work became painful. Work in the garden became painful for Adam, whereas before there was sin in the world, there were no thorns and thistles, and the ground would produce a yield, and it would be fruitful. But then after sin entered into the world, so entered pain and futility into our work. 
So God didn't originally design work to be painful and tiring. And we'll see this later in chapter 3 of of Genesis, where the ground is cursed because of you, talking about because of sin. You will eat from it by the means of painful labor all the days of your life. So that's when everything changed, but that doesn't mean work is no less good that God has given it. God has called work good from the very beginning. So that's the first principle of work. We've got to understand and affirm that work is good. The second principle of work that I want to point out to you today is all work is not only good, but it's also important. It's important to the world. Your work, whatever you do, is important to the world. And I'm borrowing some thoughts here from Martin Luther. He was the Protestant reformer in Germany in the 1500s, and he taught a lot about work, and it's important. Uh, Have you ever prayed for God to provide for you before? Of course you have. Jesus taught us this in the the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our our daily bread. And as I prayed for that, I've never had it happen before where a plate of food somehow appears on my table or a loaf of bread shows up on the doorstep, just appears out of thin air. Hasn't happened to you either as you prayed for God to provide for you food. I'm going to read a little bit about what Martin Luther said about this. He said this, you must open up and expand your thinking so that it reaches not only as far as the flour bin and the baking oven, but also over the farmer's field in the entire countryside that produces, processes, and transports all of our food. How does that food get to the grocery store? God uses labor. God uses work to provide for us every single day. So when I go to Cracker Barrel... I thank the Lord for the food that God gave me. And we all intuitively know this, even though a waiter is bringing it out to us, even though someone in the kitchen cooked this food, even though a truck transported the food to Cracker Barrel, even though there's, there's farms and farmers behind all of this, we understand that God provides for us through work. God provides for us through labor. And the same can be said of all sorts of work. How does God provide education? Well, it's through teachers. How does God provide medical care? What's through doctors and nurses? How does God provide our consumer goods that we enjoy, that we can go to Walmart and and just pick up off a shelf? Do the assembly line workers and truck drivers, 
How does God give us steel and steel products to build things? Well, in the mills and the plants right here along the Ohio River. How does God give us paper? Well, through plants like Domtar. The same can be said of work done at home. How does God develop people of character through the hard work of mothers and fathers raising their children up and teaching them the word of God? So as you're doing the work that God has given you in the home, in the world, realize all work is important to God. And he's using your work to provide for other people. He's working through your hand. He's working through whatever God has given you to do. Through your hard work, you are loving and serving your neighbor. And one of the best ways that we can do that is simply do a good job. Do the best quality work that we can possibly do. This is a way that we can love other people in the world. And this is the way that God is providing for people through you. But as I mentioned before, there is a problem in our world with work and with all things. And the problem has its origins in sin. And work has been in this painful and difficult state ever since Adam and Eve committed the first sin against God. Sin has corrupted our work. Sin has introduced greed into our work where we work for the love of money rather than loving God and others. Sin has introduced self-exaltation into our work where we advance our name and our status instead of God's name and his glory. Sin has introduced workaholism into the world where we can't stop working because work has become our identity. This is who we are rather than Christ being in our all in our all. Sin has introduced laziness and idleness where we refuse to work even though we're able and can work. And then we mooch off of our family, our friends, the government. We go and gamble and play the lottery or anybody who will, who will give us a handout. This is what sin has done in our world. Thankfully, God hasn't left us without a way of redemption. The way God redeems our work is through work. It's just not our work. It's the work of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Redeem means to buy back or make worthy again. And it's through Jesus that our work can truly be used to glorify God again. Because not only did Jesus die for the forgiveness of our sins, he paid all our sin debt, our penalty, but he also died and rose again so that we can have new hearts, so that we can live in a new way. 
It's through Jesus that God enables us to do his will, do our work in a way that glorifies and honors him from our hearts. God created a perfect world for God and people to be together in which work was a part of. Everything was perfect and everything worked perfectly. But then sin, disobeying God, entered the picture, entered entered our world, and sin corrupted our world. It's like a parasite on what is good. Sin separates us from God. Sin is, is going the wrong way. And there are consequences for that. Things break down. Things do not work the way that they're supposed to because we're sinners. But because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to come into the world, to live a sinless, perfect life, and then to die, to bridge the separation between us and God the Father. And now he asked for a response from us. Rather than continuing to go down the wrong path and to live our lives our own way, God calls us to turn back from our sin, to repent and to trust in Christ alone in what he did for us on the cross for our salvation. And it's in that that we can be saved. And it's in that that we're born again and we have a brand new heart. A heart that for once desires to do God's will. A heart that that longs to glorify God and not just ourselves. A heart that longs to serve other people. And this side of heaven, we won't do all of those things perfectly. But God is still working on us. He's working on us. We're new creatures in Christ, and he's taking responsibility. He's stewarding us, and he's changing us and transforming us to look like the image of his son. So through Christ, our work and our whole life can be renewed and can be used by God to glorify him. One final thought. Jesus said this in John 4.34. He said, my food or my greatest desire is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus' heartbeat was the work that God the Father had sent him to do. God the Father had sent him to save us. Jesus loves you so much. His heartbeat is the work of God in your life. So that through knowing him, you can now live your life, including work, in a way that loves God and honors him. Is that the lifestyle that you're living? Or are you still living apart from God on your own? Or Christian, is it like every day you have amnesia where you forget the love of God? 
and you try to rob God of the glory that he deserves and try to take that for yourself. Either way, the answer is to come back to Christ, to trust in him, and to let him continue to do work on your heart. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, I pray that through your son Christ and the Holy Spirit, you would work in our hearts. You would do a work that we can't do so that we can live for you, so that we can work and glorify you. Lord, speak to each one this morning in a very personal way. Whisper, let us hear your gentle voice in our hearts, showing us what we need to turn from, showing us what we need to embrace, what we need to do, What does it look like for every person this morning? Show that to us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Will you stand? Will you listen as God is is speaking to you today?
We'll share a few announcements with you here. You'll see those in the back of your bulletin. Tonight, we're going to start back our, our Bible study. It's called Around the Table. And the study that we're doing in particular, starting tonight, is called Rediscover Church. Answers questions like, why is church so important for us as, as believers? Um, what part does a Christian play um, in the church? And uh, what is the church in the first part? So join us tonight. Uh, we'll have it right here in, in the FLC. And if you come, um, I'll give you a free book um, tonight. Um, and then any other time you want to join us, or even if you're interested in reading that book and can't make it, I'd be happy to give you this book called Rediscover um, Church. Um, and then also, um, in a few weeks, um, this is March 27th, in a, in a Sunday morning service, we're going to host a special guest speaker named Ron Davis, um, and he is a missionary from Chosen People Ministries, which uh, serves uh, Jewish people and seeks to witness to them in the, in the name of Christ. Uh, they're Messianic Jews. Chosen People Ministries, and he is going to be here um, leading us in a presentation called Messiah in the Passover, which shows the link between the ancient festival of redemption, Passover, from the Old Testament, and Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. So I've had these type of speakers probably about six or seven times in churches I've pastored, and every time... Um, people have really come away saying they got a lot out of it. They really enjoyed it. So you won't want to miss this on March uh, 27th. Um, also, next Sunday morning, and I know you're really excited about this, you lose an hour of sleep. It's spring forward. It's uh, daylight savings time again. So remember that. And then also, um, right as we dismiss, um, if some of the guys... Um, and, and ladies, if you'd like to help too, um, could, could stay for a minute and tear down all the chairs. Um, we have a, a dinner that's going to be at the church tomorrow, um, a community dinner called Farm, the Farm City uh, Dinner. So we want to tear down all the chairs so they can come and set up for that. Okay, let me finish out with a benediction from Hebrews, um, the 13th chapter. Um, starting in verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with every good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.